0: I want to say this if you have coronavirus if you've been feeling sick or isolated away I want to tell you as we start tonight you are not forgotten about you are not alone and I prophesy over you that you will recover I want to say sorry on behalf and don't flame me don't get all mad this is my stream I want to say sorry on behalf of all the leaders and all the pastors that have downplayed the COVID-19 crisis that are silent about the sickness that is going on, and I have people writing me on a massive level saying, Isaiah, my church is denying corona, and I'm sick at home, and I feel like I've been forgotten about and alone, but I want to tell you as a pastor and as a leader in the body of Christ, I stand with you. I want to tell you that you are not forgotten about, that your sickness is not fake, and I believe tonight, and I feel the Holy Ghost even now. That we are going to break the back of coronavirus once again, and we are going to pray for healing and deliverance I'm sorry for all the pastors I don't know what is going on right now in the body of Christ that are downplaying the coronavirus that are acting like it's not real That are saying it's a hoax I literally saw today on my Facebook wall a pastor that I'm friends with on Facebook who has a pretty decent-sized following Saying how dumb masks were how dumb the coronavirus was and literally on video said all the numbers are fake He said people are not getting the virus it's not a real virus. People are not sick. It's fake. And I came to tell somebody that we are standing with you in prayer and we are believing for healing over every person that has coronavirus. And I prophesy this. Uh, and I want to say sorry on behalf of the pastors that have made jokes about it. I have friends that are big pastors that have literally made jokes about the Corona jokes about wearing a mask. And I want to apologize on behalf of them and let you know that we are going to come out of this stronger than we've ever been. Come on, somebody. We're going to come out of this more on fire than we've ever been. God, right now, now is strengthening his church. Even in the midst of crisis, God is refining his church. And if you ask me, this is absolutely a sign of the end times. This is absolutely a labor pain that the Bible warns us about that we are going to go into that the earth is literally in labor and the COVID-19 crisis is just another contraction in the labor pains that time is running out. And guys, this is a biblical principle that what we do with our time here on earth matters more now than it has ever mattered before. What we do right now when it comes to prayer, right now when it comes to worship, right now when it comes to fasting right now when it comes to witnessing right now when it comes to the online the social media and everything we're doing right now as the body of Christ it matters more than it has ever mattered before we are absolutely racing towards judgment day we are absolutely living in the last days and in this time as the body of Christ as pastors and leaders come on help me by sharing the stream that we don't sweep this thing under the rug I know a lot of people prophesied that the Lord showed them the day it was going to end and all All those guys are nowhere to be found and I'm not saying they're false prophets I'm not here to accuse anybody but we as pastors and leaders need to be in touch with reality and rather than bullying people into having service or bullying people saying that they're fake or they're not real Christians because they wear a mask now's the time we need to be lifting people up now's the time that we need to be praying for people now's the time we need to be encouraging people now's the time we need to walk in the fear of the Lord this virus has shown the world how fragile life really is. Understand something right now that people are open to hearing the gospel. People are open to hearing about signs and wonders. People are open to hearing about deliverance. Come on, share the stream because they are recognizing how fragile their life is. And the church is hiding and shrinking back and trying to make this seem like it's no big deal. And it's fake rather than boldly proclaiming the gospel in the midst of crisis. Now's the time as leaders, we need to begin to preach with conviction. We need to begin to preach with passion. Now's the time as believers, as mothers, as fathers, as families. We need to have our prayer life strong. We need to have our devotion life strong. We need to be on the cutting edge of what God is doing and what God is saying. And we need to begin to push back the darkness in prayer. We need to begin to push back the darkness in worship. Now is not the time to bash people. And pastors, I want to tell you right now, do not let other pastors bully you and to. Gas- gathering when you don't feel it safe to gather. Okay, some of y'all aren't going to shout me down now. Don't let pastors bully you into thinking that you're weak because you wear a mask or because you're weak because you've taken advice from what doctors and nurses who are in hospitals that are packed out with sick people. I have people on my own team that I know personally that are very sick in hospitals and it's a slap in the face when we joke about or we make fun of it or we make light of the corona when there's people that are sick and are dying right now. 70 people or something like that died in california today that was 70 fathers 70 mothers 70 family members 70 brothers and sisters and i'm telling you right now we need to be awake in this hour we do not need to be bullying people we do not be need to be belittling people because they don't want to have service or because they want to have service now is the time that we need to come together in unity and we need to be prepared for the day of the lord and i'm telling you i know some of you write me you say isaiah i'm in the hospital now watching this live stream last Tuesday night, when we talked about the supernatural gifts, there was probably 20 plus people that say, I'm in the hospital right now. I've been having this sickness. I've been quarantined. Not only that, there are many of you watching that are in a bedroom somewhere. You've been quarantined for two weeks and you feel isolated and alone, but I'm telling you that you are not alone, that God is with you, that his healing power is coming even right now, that the Bible says that God draws near to the brokenhearted. So I know a lot of you might say, oh, this isn't serious or this isn't serious. And you think that all, you know, people that are preaching about it are crazy or it's not real, but I want to stand up and tell you that you are not forgotten about, that God is moving, that God is doing something, come on, share this stream, and that God is alive and active in our generation, God is not sitting up in heaven, he is not forgotten about America, but God is active right now, moving, and one of the issues in our generation, especially with the young people, is that we think that we have time, our generation thinks that they are invincible from anything, like there's no such thing as death, and that we are exempt from death, and we are exempt from the judgment seat of Christ but I'm starting to realize and I'm starting to recognize come on help me in the chat come on share the stream everybody right now I'm starting to realize as I'm having children and I'm having my fourth baby this year that or I should say my wife is but we're having our fourth kid this year that life goes by so fast some of you right now I know you in the chat you're older and you say Isaiah my life just passed me by that statement that is time flies could not be more real time flies by so fast and And what I always tell people is yes, time flies, but the good news is you are the pilot. And eternity is too long for us to be playing games with God. Eternity is too long for us to be wrong about where we are going to spend forever. In fact, Judgment Day or the judgment seat of Christ is one of the most important topics that we can ever address as the body of Christ. Yet so many pastors and so many preachers are not talking about it. I look at my life and I feel like it was just yesterday. I was sitting in the office of the DMV just turned 16 and I was waiting to take my driving test to get my license and I've blinked and I'm now 29 years old with the fourth kid on the way, about to be married for 8 years and I often stop and think where has my life gone? Our life feels as if it's slipping by us and so many of us are wasting our lives living through somebody else's life on Instagram or somebody else's life on Facebook or somebody else's life on social media. So many of us are wasting our life doing carnal things and things that will not matter on judgment day. And I'm telling you, eternity is right next to you, not in front of you. And at any moment, every single one of us in this chat tonight, there's about 450 of you. We could pass into eternity and be standing in the next 10 minutes before the judgment seat of Christ. Not everybody is going to get a deathbed. Isaiah, I'm just going to be like the thief on the cross and get saved as I'm dying. And that's the mentality of so many young people. But understand that most people statistically will never get a deathbed to repent on. They will never get a last moment or a last opportunity. And the one thing that you don't want to be playing around with, the one thing that you don't want to be messing with is your eternity. If there's ever been a time to think about eternity I'm gonna break this thing down and I'm gonna literally tell you the conversation you're going to have on Judgment Day because I'm telling you it is time that we live our lives with Judgment Day in mind it should be every single day of our lives we are thinking about the judgment seat of Christ in fact in second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10 Paul comes to the church in Corinth and makes one of the most important principles about Judgment Day Paul makes one of the most important principles in all of the Bible on Judgment and this is what Paul tells the church in Corinth. He says, we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one of us may receive what is due for what we've done in the body, whether what we did was good or what we did was evil. One translation says, every person's going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and receive a reward, whether that be good or bad. So here is why judgment day is so significant. Here is why this is might be the most important message I've ever preached in 10 years of preaching. Here's why we need to talk about it. Here's why we need to have a conviction about it. Here's why this is one of the most serious topics in all of the Bible. Here's why we need to have a revelation on the judgment seat of Christ and the fact that we will stand on judgment. It's because every person in the chat, and I'm reading your comments, every person in the chat right now, every person that listens to the replay have one thing in common. There is only one thing that every single one of us have in common. There is only one thing, no matter what, m- how much money you make, no matter what skin color you have, no matter what denomination you're a part of, no matter what you believe, whether you're an atheist, agnostic, you're Muslim, you're Hindu, you're Catholic, you're Christian, none of this matters because there is one thing, universal principle that we all have in common, and it's that every single person listening will have a moment in time, stay with me, I feel the Holy Ghost, well, they will appear before the judgment seat of Christ to be judged judge. It does not matter how many followers or what their status is. They will appear. And I'm telling you, you can't send your attorney to represent you on judgment day. You can't send your pastor to speak on your behalf on judgment day. You will not be able to send your parents on judgment day to cover for you or make excuses for you. Your wife or husband will not be present and will not have the power to speak for you on judgment day. The day of judgment will be you and God and the Bible says that nobody will escape that great and dreadful day. And the Bible calls it a great day and a dreadful day because for some of us listening tonight, come on, share this. I'm telling you, this is the most important message i probably ever preached. For some of us, the day of judgment will be a great day. And for others of us, it will be a dreadful day. And what determines what type of day it will be was the life that we lived here on earth. It depends on the choices that we've made here on earth. Some of you ought to pause for a moment and Thank God that He woke you up. You ought to thank God that He delivered you. You ought to thank God that He saved you. You ought to thank God that He broke every shackle and broke every chain and He woke you up before you stood before Him in ignorance. I don't know about you, but tonight I am grateful for His mercy. I am grateful for His power. I'm so grateful that when I was a self proclaimed atheist, it was the mercy and the hand of God that broke my chains. You need to start seeing your life here on earth as a very 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 fast test. And one day the master and the teacher is going to say every pencil down. You're going to be judged based on how you did here on earth. Some of you right now, and I'm not trying to freak you out and scare you, but at the same time, I am. Some of you are a little bit, let me just say older in your years. Some of you are closer to judgment day than others. Some of you are right there at that finish line and you're very close to standing before God. And it is really time that you begin to sit, sit down and think, Think about Judgment Day and pray about Judgment Day and wonder what your conversation will be like on Judgment Day because out of the 500 of us tonight in this chat, some of us, our Judgment Day is years away and some of us, Judgment Day is days away. We don't know what time we're going to pass into eternity. That's why I always tell people, eternity is not some future thing in front of you. It's on the side of you because at any moment, you can step into eternity. At any moment, you can pass from this life into the next life, and you have to be prepared right now because Paul says that you will receive whatever is due to you, what's been done on the earth, whether you did good or whether you did bad. Here's what Paul is saying: there is a reward on Judgment Day, whether it's a good reward or a bad reward, and the good that you're doing right now is not going unnoticed. I know there are some of you that are donating to the stream, some of you that are stacking chairs at the church, some of you that come in early to vacuum. You. Leave leave late to clean and you say Isaiah my pastor doesn't notice me my pastor doesn't recognize me but I want to tell you what Paul is saying and making very clear that nobody else might notice all the work that you're putting in but God says I notice and I will give you a reward based on all that you did good on judgment day and not only is God going to reward the good that we did on judgment day but the Bible says that he will also reward for the bad that we did. That is why the Bible says for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, that there is a price to pay for our continual disobedience and sin. There is a price to pay for a life of resisting and fighting God. There is a price to pay for our compromise and for our poor choices. People say, oh, just go ahead and do that. It's no big deal. How many of you have heard your friends say that a thousand times, the world keeps telling you sin is no big deal. It's no big deal to tell a lie. It's no big deal to watch pornography. It's no big deal to smoke or the drink or to curse. It's no big deal to watch this or to listen to that. It's no big deal to cheat on her or to cheat on him. It's no big deal to be a pastor and to not pray or to live holy or consecrated. It's no big deal if you're not honest in your taxes. It's no big deal if you manipulate people, and I came to tell somebody right now that it might not be no big deal because you're not being judged immediately, but it will be a big deal on Judgment Day. It might not be a big deal now. You're lying that you do at work. You're cheating that you do in your taxes. You're manipulating that you do in your marriage. You're manipulating that you do in your in your work and in your business. It might not be a big deal to you now, but it's going to be a big deal on Judgment Day. The things that we watch. The things that we listen to, the stuff that we do behind closed doors. I don't know about you, but I wish more preachers would preach a gospel like this. I wish more preachers would preach God's word and they wouldn't filter it and they wouldn't water it down and sugarcoat it. We need some preachers. Come on. I wonder if there's any preachers in the chat that are going to rise up with a boldness and say, it is time that we preach the coming of the Lord. It is time that we preach the judgment seat of Christ. Where are the preachers that are crying out, preaching the judgment seat of Christ Uh, understand that what we do behind closed doors uh, will one day be revealed uh, and everything we're doing now that's not a big deal Uh, will have massive repercussions on judgment day in fact that's why Paul says it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Paul says that on that day of judgment, the secrets of every man will be revealed and all of your secrets will be brought to the light. Understand that one of the best things about being in a godly relationship is not having to have secrets. Some of you remember when you were in that ungodly relationship and you were always secretive about who you were texting. You were secretive about who you were calling. You were secretive about the things that you were doing, but then you got saved and you got in a godly relationship, and it is so liberating and freeing not to have to walk around in secrets and not be stressed out or worried about your significant other always catching you doing wrong things. Understand that there's something freeing about getting delivered and getting set free. Now, there is a judgment day for every person, whether you're a believer or not a believer, and you say, Isaiah, what about the believer on judgment day? What about the person that's under the blood of Jesus? What about the person that's repented of specific sins. Isaiah, are we going to get judged on sins that we've already repented of? I'm glad that you asked. Paul tells us in Romans eight about judgment for the believer. And here's what Paul says. He says, there is therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. I know we've all heard that before. He says, who do not walk according to the flesh, but walk according to the spirit. Now this in all of the Bible is one of the most twisted and manipulated scriptures in our day because we always say, well, I could drink, I could party, I could smoke, I could sleep around because the Bible says there is no condemnation. Come on, somebody help me by sharing this story, message this to somebody. We say, brother, there's no condemnation for them that are in Christ. But what you have to understand is the word condemnation is actually a legal term and it's a legal verdict, not a cop out for sin. Deuteronomy says, if there are two, people on trial and one person is condemned they must get 39 lashes this is something of condemnation being a legal verdict so for instance if you're standing on trial for let's say murder and they they come to conclude that you're guilty of murder and the judge slams the gavel and says you've been declared guilty of first degree murder you have now been condemned that's condemnation condemnation is not oh i feel condemned because the preaching is very conviction convicting tonight that's not condemnation that's called conviction. And we've turned the conviction of God into the condemnation of God. And we say, Isaiah, don't tell me about my compromise. Don't tell me about my sin. I don't want to hear about it, but you don't realize condemnation is not an emotion. It's a legal verdict. Now there's something in the legal world to understand this. You need to understand the principle called double jeopardy, which I think most of you know about. And basically double jeopardy says this, that you can't get charged twice for a crime that you've already been charged for. So understand that Isaiah lived his whole life life as a liar got saved and on judgment day I can't be charged for lying because I already got charged 2,000 years ago when Jesus hung on the cross come on somebody help me preach tonight Isaiah was addicted to lust but I got saved and delivered Jesus took on my penalty and now when I stand before the judgment seat of Christ the 19 years before I got saved of lust and compromise I can't get judged for because Christ already took on my penalty So maybe you had an abortion three years ago and you just got saved. Understand on judgment day, you won't be condemned for having abortion because abortion was already put up on the cross and there was already 39 lashes and a penalty paid for you. So I was a cheater for 20 years until I got saved and I can't get condemned now for what Christ took on. I can't get tried for it because double jeopardy says you can't try somebody for the same thing. So somebody needs to get glad up in this chat that Jesus took on your penalty. Come on, help me tonight. Somebody needs to get glad that the one that knew no sin, the Bible says became sin, not just died for you, the Bible says, but he died as your sin. Jesus literally took on a penalty that he did not deserve so that you can take on a righteousness that you don't deserve, paid a price that he didn't owe. So you can walk out of that courtroom completely free, even though you deserve a life sentence you got to realize that when you read the story of barabbas and a guilty man gets set free and an innocent man goes to prison that you were barabbas that when you deserve the death penalty god gave you a life sentence you got to be glad that jesus christ took on the penalty and paid the price for your sin now isaiah what about if i continue to walk in compromise what if I continue to walk in sin what if I am a believer and although God has washed me and cleansed me I keep going back to that which I've already been delivered for what will judgment day look like for me if I am a believer and I keep living my life in the same sin that Christ delivered me from I'm glad you asked because Hebrews chapter 6 tells us what judgment day will be like if you continue in the sin you got delivered for in fact the writer of Hebrews says, it's impossible to bring back to repentance those that were once enlightened and had experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit who have tasted the power of God in the age to come and then turn away. He says, it's impossible to bring those people back because they're rejecting the son of God and they are nailing him to the cross once again and holding him up to a public shame. And then he goes on to say, when the ground soaks up the falling rain and bears a good crop for the farmer, it's the blessing of God. But if it a field bears thorn and thistles. The field is useless and the farmer burns the field. Here's what he's saying. When you keep returning to your sin, here's what you do. If you are a believer and you keep going back to the same sin, what you're literally doing is you're crucifying Christ over and over and over. Every time you go back to that old sin, you're putting Jesus back up on the cross and you're making a public shame out of him. That is why I believe tonight God wants to deliver deliver you once and for all. I believe tonight, God is going to break the cycles that you've been going through. He's going to break the compromise that you've been living in. He doesn't want you to live your life on the will of compromise. He wants to set you free once and for all. I don't know about you, but tonight I'm saying, Lord, I need your delivering power. I need your delivering anointing. I need to get set free and delivered like never before. I don't want to keep putting Christ up on that cross with my compromise. I don't want and keep putting Christ up on that cross with my complacency and with my sin these are harsh words, yet we treat these things so lightly in the church. What happens when someone goes back to that same sin? Oh, it's no big deal. You just fell and God just going to restore you and you don't have to treat it. I've said that a thousand times. And then I'm reading the writer of Hebrews and I'm going, why is it the writer of Hebrews is saying sin is so significant and so powerful in the sense of it's so serious to God. And we have made what's very serious to God, very light in the church. It is no big deal to walk in sin and compromise and you got to understand what he's trying to say is that good ground produces fruit and is blessed by God but those that have thorns and thistles are useless and the farmer burns them so I have to ask myself am I a thorny Christian that's never producing something or is there something in my life of godliness do I hear these messages and do they change me and do they actually bring conviction to me I don't know about you but I want to live my life with the conviction of God I don't want to live my life under some dead religious system where I get delivered for two weeks and then I keep going back to my compromise I want to walk in the spirit of Almighty God I want to walk in the delivering power of the Holy Spirit and if you're listening tonight there is freedom and there is breakthrough and Paul tells us in first Corinthians chapter 3 literally gives us one of the most shocking truth in Scripture and tells us what will happen on Judgment Day Paul tells us this this is what, now there's multiple places in the Bible that we could see judgment day described. Now, if I'm going to stand on judgment day before God, if I'm going to take account for everything I've done in the body, if nobody can escape that great and dreadful day, then I want to know every instance in the Bible. I want to know every example in the Bible, and I want to be best prepared for judgment day so that when I stand before God, before the judgment seat of Christ, I'm not surprised saying, well, I didn't even know this, but I'm able to say I was ready and I was prepared and I'm one of those the Bible says that was bold on the day of judgment But here's what Paul says. He says, on judgment day, there will be a fire that will reveal each kind of work that each builder has done. So now Paul's calling you a builder. The fire will show if the person's work has any value. And if the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work gets burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but barely like somebody barely escaping walls of fire. So Paul's literally saying that we have to realize that we are all built something and what we're building is either temporary or it's either eternal I'm either building up something for the temporary or I'm building up something for the eternal and the question you need to have and ask yourself tonight is the life I'm living building up things in the temporary realm or are they building up things in the supernatural and in the eternal realm because on that day of judgment Paul literally describes that there will be a literal fire on judgment day and all of our stuff is going to get thrown in that fire. So imagine your degree, your car, your house, everything you've acquired on this world, everything you've built on your small 80 years is going to get thrown in the fire, and the only thing remaining is going to be that which is eternal. And it will be a sad day when God scoops up that pile of dust that your entire life turned into and looks at it and says, This is what you spent your life on. You spent your life chasing after the career. You spent your life chasing after the degree. You spent your life chasing after the next pleasure and the next high and it all became a pile of dust from there is nothing wrong with having a nice car. There is nothing wrong with having a nice house. There is nothing wrong with having a nice life, but know that when you're buying the nice car, one day it's going to be a pile of dust. That when you're buying the nice house, it's going to be a pile of dust. That when you're getting that degree, yes, it's awesome, but the degree is going to be dust. And the only thing that you're going to carry into the next life, the only thing you're going to carry into the eternal realm is what did you do in the supernatural realm? Because the Bible says the builder, which you are the builder will be saved, but barely escape barely saved escaping through the walls of flame. I mean, think about the image Paul is saying. Paul is saying you're barely going to get through this wall of fire. You're barely going to be saved. And I'm not going to be a barely saved Christian on Judgment Day. There will be some of you. Now, I'm not arguing Salvation Night. I'm not here to tell you well, you're going to hell if you don't do this or you're doing doing this. I'm here to tell you that I don't want to barely make it. I don't want to stand in line on Judgment Day and say, well, I'm, I wonder if I'm actually going to make it in. I wonder if I was actually a Christian. Christian. Christian according to the Bible or a Christian according to God's word so I don't want to be a barely Christian as Paul says I don't want to barely make it into heaven I want to live my life in such a way that it's going to matter in 150 years so we have to ask ourselves if we're all builders what are we building are we building a life that is supernatural and spiritual that has eternal impact or are we building a natural life that is not going to matter see this issue of death and life and passing into the next world it's not an issue that we should be talking about um, just once a week or once a year this is actually something we should be thinking about every single day and the wisest man in the Bible aside from Jesus the wisest man aside from Jesus was Solomon and Solomon himself says in Ecclesiastes 7 that it's better to spend your time at funerals than to spend your time at parties he says because after all everybody dies so the living should take this to heart that sorrow is better Better than laughter and sadness has a refining influence. Here's what Paul, here's what Solomon, the wisest man in the Bible, he says it's better to go to funerals and it's better to think about. In fact, the Bible says the wise think about death constantly. The Bible says that the wise person is always thinking about death, but the foolish person is only thinking about today. A wise person thinks about their future. A wise person thinks about the judgment seat of Christ. A wise person thinks about the life after death. but a fool only worries about now a fool only worries about the next promotion about the next thing they're gonna buy about the next thing they're going to do but it's time that we get wise and say I need to worry about the life to come I need to worry about the judgment seat of Christ There is a real day of judgment that we are all approaching and it is time as the body of Christ, we get our heads out of the temporary. It is time that you stop chasing after the temporary desires and the temporary pleasures of man. We are living a temporary life. The Bible talks about us shedding off this life, that this life is only a tent that we are going to come out of, that there is a life, Jesus, said, I'm preparing a place for you, that there is a life to come and it's time as the body of Christ, that our focus and energy is on the life to come and not the life here on earth. It is time to be prepared for judgment day. This is what I'm asking you tonight. Are you prepared for judgment day? Are you prepared for the coming of the Lord? Are you prepared for what God is saying right now to the church? Are you prepared for Jesus to come back? There is a man coming back to the earth and the Bible describes what judgment day will be like in fact in Matthew 25 Jesus tells us exactly what judgment day will look like this is a parable about the kingdom of God and how the primary kingdom of God and the primary goal of Jesus is not about your input but about your output we have a generation that is worried about input and give me more and preach to me more and share with me more but God is saying where is the output in the body of Christ where are those that are going to reach out to the law Where are those that are going to preach to the broken? Where are those that are going to do things that matter in the eternal realm? That is why on judgment day, he says, I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was naked and you didn't clothe me. I was in prison and you didn't visit me. They say, Jesus, what are you even talking about? We didn't see you during any of those things. He said, understand that what you did to the least of these, you've done unto me. That the way that we impact the eternal realm is by helping those that are broken, helping those that are poor and those that are needy. Now, I think when we think of poor people, We think of people that don't have money, yet the Bible does not describe poor people as just people that are poor in the natural realm, but the Bible describes people that are poor are poor in the spiritual realm. See, the reality is you have people at work that are poor and you've been getting poured into day after day, week after week, year after year, and there are people that need what you have. Come on, somebody help me in the comments. Somebody share the stream tonight. There are people that are hurting and that are broken and that need what you have. And you're rich in God and rich in the sense of you've heard a thousand messages. You've heard a thousand sermons. You've gotten hands laid on you a million times. And there are people that are dying for what you're getting, dying for what you have. And we are hoarding the resources. We are hoarding the revelation. And we are hoarding what we've been given through these broadcasts. And we're not using it to reach other people. That's why the writer of Hebrew says, by now you should be teaching other people. Some of you have heard enough of the gospel to save all of any. India, and you're still dealing with the same demons. Some of you have heard enough of a gospel to save all of China and you're still living your life the same. It hasn't changed you and it hasn't impacted you. And by helping the poor, I want you to change the way you think. It's not just feeding poor people on the corner, but it's people that are spiritually poor and spiritually broken. You doing deliverance on somebody that doesn't have the access to deliverance. You laying hands on a sick person that goes to a dead church that doesn't pray for the sick. That is the way that you help those that are poor in spirit and it's time that we begin to help those that are poor. So you might stand on judgment and say, God, I fed the poor. He said, yeah, you fed the naturally poor, but you don't, you didn't feed the spiritually poor because you're worried about always getting fed. You're worried about always getting more. And so Jesus tells a parable and he basically, and I'm gonna break it down because I'm not gonna read the whole thing, it's way too long, but in a nutshell, Jesus says a master goes to a faraway land and gives his servants, three servants, five talents, two talents, and one talent. And the Bible says he leaves for a while and comes back. I need you to pay very close attention tonight. He comes back to see what they did with what he gave them. So this is a picture Of Jesus leaving heaven to come to earth, giving us the power of the Holy Ghost, giving us the power of his spirit, giving us the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and then going back, and there's a man that's going to come back, and he's going to see what we did with the power that he's giving us. Jesus literally came, modeled a perfect lifestyle of how to walk in holiness and the supernatural power of God. He shows us how to be led by the Father. He shows us how to treat the poor. He shows us how to live the normal Christian life. He showed us how to overcome the enemy. He showed us how to walk in victory. And he leaves us with no excuse as to why we can't do what he did. He tells his disciples, I have to go to give you the Holy Spirit. What's the Holy Spirit going to do? the Holy Spirit is going to empower you to establish my kingdom on the earth so that when I come back, you, have, you will have established a supernatural realm on the natural realm that's going to matter in 200 years when you stand before me in eternity. So the master leaves and says, I need you to get something done while I'm gone. We have this, you know, job here on earth and it's not just to show up once a week. It's to establish his kingdom on the earth as it is in heaven. Our job as believers is not just to show up on Sunday morning and give 10% of our income and then live the rest of the week like the devil. Our job as believers is to establish a government on the earth that will never end. I told you guys a couple weeks ago, this is why we pray for the sick. We pray for the sick because there's no sickness in heaven. And Jesus said, my pray, my kingdom would be on earth the way that it's in heaven. This is why we drive out devils. There's no demons in heaven. So we're going to make, we're going to make earth look like heaven. This is what Jesus has called us to do. This is why we have the gifts of the spirit, or I like to call better. We talked about this Tuesday, the supernatural abilities of the spirit. Think about all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, all the supernatural power the Holy Spirit has given us, and we are living so below the calling and the assignment. This is why on Tuesday we talked about the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the word of faith, the gift of healing, the gift of miracles, the gift of prophecy, the gift to distinguish between spirits, the gift of tongues, the gift of interpretation of tongues. That's why Romans chapter 12 verse 6 talks about the gift of prophecy, the gift of serving, the gift of teaching, the gift of exhortation, the gift of giving, the gift of leadership, the gift of mercy, these are all gifts that the holy spirit gives us on the earth so that we can do something while he's up in heaven so that when he comes back the master is going to be looking for interest on his investment the lord has invested into you he's invested into your ministry He's invested into your family. And the Lord says, I'm looking for a return on my investment. I'm looking for somebody to do something while I'm gone. There are things that need to be done while he's gone. And oftentimes, as we're believers, guys, this is the truth. Don't act like I'm lying tonight. We prioritize our job. We prioritize our marriage. We prioritize our school. And then God gets the leftovers. But what you need to start realizing is the kingdom of God is work. You might say it's a hard work being a believer. Absolutely. There is work to be done. Our job is not just to show up in services or show up in live streams, but our job is to advance the kingdom of God. And God has put you in management mode, managing his kingdom. Imagine this, the God of the heavens put you in management of his kingdom. He said, I'm going to let you manage my kingdom. I'm going to give you supernatural power. I'm going to give you supernatural gifts so that you can make earth look like heaven and I'm going to give you just what you need so that on judgment day there will be no excuses on judgment day there will be no complaining or saying I didn't have what it takes I can remember how many times my parents would say and they're both in the chat here tonight. My parents would say, we're gonna leave and we're gonna come back in 30 minutes. Come on, give me a one if your parents ever told you this and this better be done by the time we come home. We're gonna leave and go somewhere and we're gonna come back at seven o'clock and this better get done by the time we come home. And what did we do as young people? What did we do as kids? We would wait until five minutes before. Come on, somebody help me preach. Yo, acting like I'm crazy. Share the stream tonight. We would wait five minutes before they got home And we'd get everything done we could so that when they got home, it would look like we we were prepared and we did what they did. But the problem is Jesus is telling these three servants, this better be done when I get back. You better do something with what I've been given or what I've given you. And the problem is you don't know when I'm going to come back because the Bible says the coming of the Lord will be like a thief in the night. The thief does not call and say, by the way, I'm about to break in. I'm about to break into your house, get ready. And by the way, for all of you that are like, what scriptures is Matthew 25? Okay. You can read your Bible. I'm not going to quote verse by verse. I've already given you guys 10 verses to those back and say, I need you to quote the Bible. You guys need to get in the word. This is exact mentality that the church has. If it's not up on a PowerPoint for us, if there's not a verse up for us, we can't understand it. We need to dive in the word of God and we need to get our own prayer life. We need to get our own life in the scripture. So don't be a little baby Christian and say, oh my gosh, I need this. You know, you're not doing this or not doing that. This is in your Bible and Jesus is saying there's work to be done and this needs to be back when I get home and we don't know when he's coming back. He comes like a thief in the night. He comes when we're unprepared, but I'm telling you right now, he has given you too much abilities and too much talent to just sit on. He's giving you too much to do nothing with and you are going to be responsible on judgment day for everything that you've been given. You're going to be responsible on judgment day for everything. Everything he's entrusted you with. And that's why that famous saying says, with extraordinary power comes extraordinary responsibility. You've been given the same spirit. For those of you that are new and don't know, you've been given the same spirit that raised Christ, is alive in your mortal body. You have the same power. You have the same authority. You have the same anointing that Jesus walked in. I don't know if you know this, and I need you to understand this and think about this. You can lay hands on a sick person and the sick person will get well do you guys are you guys hearing me tonight you can take your hand if you didn't know this and lay it on a sick person and according to mark 16 and many other places the sick person will recover you can cast out demons your words can heal marriages and families you can speak in unknown languages that could bring and that could have an interpretation and bring change to people you can get supernatural knowledge about somebody you've never met tell them and they'll drop to the their knees crying because they realize God is real that's what Paul says the word of knowledge does you have to understand you have the power to work miracles and to break things in the natural realm things that the law of gravity and the law of physics says is impossible I don't understand why as believers we are living like grasshoppers we are living so below the standard and the calling and the assignment that God has given us it is time to realize that we have the power of almighty God one of the signs of the end times is that believers will have a form of godliness, but they will deny the very power that can make them like God. That's in your Bible, too, by the way. Understand this: that what is important in this parable, Judgment Day, and this is what you need to be pay attention to, because this parable is literally what Judgment Day is gonna look like. If you wonder, I wonder what we're gonna talk about on Judgment Day. This parable is exactly what you're gonna talk about on Judgment Day, and what you need to realize about this parable on Judgment Day. Is that God will only give you What you can handle here's what the Bible Says the Bible says and the master Gave the servants according to their Ability he did not give them More than they can handle because if God Would give you more than you can handle this is Good preaching I hope it's helping somebody you Would sit back and say my excuse is I couldn't handle what God gave me so God says I'm not Going to give you more than you can handle So that there's no room for excuses Many times we have excuses like I don't have the time to do what God's called me to do, I don't have the money to do what God's called me to do, come on, share this, I don't have the gifting to do what God's called me to do, I don't have the right family, I don't have the right upbringing, or this or that, but the Bible says that when he gave them supernatural gifts, when he gave them supernatural ability, when he gave them supernatural responsibility, he says, I'm going to give you only what you can handle, and I came to tell somebody that God has only given you what you can handle, that the only excuse we have on judgment day is that we were lazy And we were irresponsible with what God gave us to steward. Understand that when an architect is going to build a building, an architect does not randomly build a building, an architect has to know how much weight the structure can hold before he even builds the structure. He will not build something, hear me loud and clear tonight, until he knows the exact amount of weight the structure needs or the structure can hold. And I came to tell somebody that God is the architect of your life life. He is the architect of your destiny, and he knows exactly how much you can handle. That's why when Jeremiah says, I'm too young to be a preacher, I can't handle this. God said, yes, you can, Jeremiah, because before you were in your mother's womb, I set you apart, and I knew you. Jeremiah, I know that you have what it takes. I know that you have the supernatural power and ability to handle what I've called you to do. I can't count, and let me just be vulnerable here. I have lost track of how many times I'm about to get up to preach or I'm at a large conference or I'm in a large live stream or I'm doing something like this. And I've just been, I'll just be honest with you tonight. I've said, Lord, I can't handle the pressure. I can't handle the pressure of thousands of people depending on me to preach your word. I can't handle the pressure of hundreds of messages of people looking at me as if I'm some type of savior. I can't handle the pressure of all the revelation, all the knowledge, all the stuff I have to transmit to people in a 45-minute minute segment or an hour long segment. I can't handle. I've said over and over in my own private prayer, Lord, I can't handle the pressure. And every time you got to understand the Lord has responded by, yes, you can. I will not give you an anointing. I will not give you talent or abilities. You can't handle a good trainer does not take you into the gym and put 400 pounds on the bar and say, okay, go ahead and lift that. And if a good trainer wouldn't put 400 pounds on your barbell, your first time at the gym what makes you think God would and that is why I tell people you have to be careful when you ask for somebody else's anointing when you ask for somebody else's gifting when you ask for somebody else's talent because you might not be able or willing to carry what they are carrying you got to be careful when you ask for someone else's anointing and or ask for my anointing because you don't know the pressure and the weight and the trials that I have to carry you don't know the cost that it took me to get here. You don't know the price to the oil and the price to the anointing. You don't know the sacrifice. Come on, somebody needs to help me if you know what I'm saying you don't know the sacrifice that I've paid to have revival and you may not be able to handle what somebody else is carrying I'm not going to pray for Billy Graham's anointing I'm not going to pray for Reinhard Bonnke's anointing because God didn't make me with the ability to carry what they've carried you don't get anointing and understand you don't get an anointing from sitting around at church and doing nothing for God you don't get an anointing for sitting at home while everybody's at the prayer meeting you don't get an anointing for living in compromise and showing up for an hour and a half every week. A lot of us has, have asked God for an anointing, but we can't even show up to service on time. And let me just take this a step further, okay, y'all? And if you can't handle the heat, then get out of the kitchen. Some of us, not it's not even that we can't show up to service on time, it's that we can't even show up into our church's live stream on time. I mean, you talk about how easy it is. I literally have to just open my phone and click a button and I'm on live. And some of you are 15 minutes late to your church's live stream. And you say, well, it doesn't really matter I could go rewatch it. It's the principle that God is looking for people that are responsible. There's one big principle that I have in my life. And if you're my family in the chat or my friends, you know this, or my wife, you know this, I hate being late. I refuse to be late. If you're not five minutes early in my book, you're late. Okay. I'm on time to everything. If Unless I'm sick or I get in a car accident or a train's broken, I am not late. I can't remember the last time I was late to an engagement. And I'm going to tell you why, because I know this, that if God can't trust me in the sense of, being on time in the natural realm how could God trust me with things in the spiritual realm a lot of you are asking God for an anointing but God says you're not even responsible with the little bit that I've given you if you can't show up on time to a prayer meeting and you can't show up on time to a service at your church, what makes you think God is going to give you all these talents and abilities that you can't handle? Many of us ask God for a big ministry, but can't even handle the responsibility of the few people God put around us. And I'm going to tell you the secret on how to grow your ministry here in a second, because it is biblical and it works 150% of the time, all the time, okay? Many of us want to go on stages, but we can't even handle when our pastor corrects us. If you can't handle something, someone telling you you're wrong and an area of your life, what makes you think you'll be able to handle being on stage before a thousand people? we ask God for promotion and God is saying, I will promote you. Listen to me very closely tonight. The Lord is saying, I will promote you, but first show me you could at least read your Bible every day. First show me that you could just pray every day. So most people don't realize I was preaching to my people at Starbucks before I was preaching to people on stages. I'll never forget putting on my green apron when I got saved and saying, okay, I'm getting ready and I'm getting dressed to go to church. Even though I wasn't going to church, I was going to Starbucks. Those three employees at four in the Morning I opened my store with those were my church. And I said, Lord, if I could preach to these four people, if I'm responsible, for these four people, would you let me preach to a hundred people? And then I'll preach to a hundred people. I'll never forget sitting down watching a morning star of this massive church building and saying, How do you get to a place like that? Watching World Revival Church and saying, How do you preach at a place like that? It's so big, it's so how do you even get there? And within about a year and a half, I was preaching at both those places. Why? Because the Lord says, Isaiah, I'll give you 50 people, I'll give you twenty, I'll give you a hundred people. I'll give you 150. I'll give you 200. I'll let you have hundred people and 500 people. And then as you show me, you're responsible with the little bit I've given you, I will give you more. But God is saying to some of you, you're too irresponsible with the little bit that I've given you. And this is not just a natural or, I mean, a supernatural thing. Some of you are like, well, I'm very good in the spirit realm, but I'm terrible in the natural realm. No god is saying can you do it in the natural realm can you live right in the natural realm do you think god is going to give you a position when you're jealous and envious of everyone who are in the position that you want let me give you an example You say, Lord, I want to have a growing live stream. I want to have a growing podcast. I don't know why I only have 10 viewers or 20 viewers or 30 viewers. Yet when you see somebody else go live with more viewers, you sit back there and you talk bad about them. I don't know why they have 400 viewers or a thousand viewers. I'm preaching way better. And you're envious and you're jealous. And God says, I can't put you in positions when you're envious and jealous of people that are in those positions. One of the best way to grow is to support people. One of the best ways to get your ministry to be blessed is to bless other people's you say, Lord, no one's giving to my ministry, so I'm going to give to somebody else's ministry, and when you begin to sow into other people's ministry, people will begin to sow into your ministry. You have to understand God cannot bless the mess, and you have to realize that if you have a hard time being faithful to a service or to showing up on time, how in the world are you going to be faithful when you're running the service? God, I want to be the one in charge, and God says you can't even handle not being in charge, let alone being in charge. God is looking for something. Somebody that he can trust. That is why when Jesus was on the mountain, he came down, rebuked the disciples, and said, You are an untrustworthy generation. I have given you my power. I've given you my anointing. I've given you my spirit, and you're still not doing anything with it. So he said, I've given one servant five talents, one servant two talents, and one servant one talent. Now, a talent is a measurement of weight that represents about 75 pounds of silver. So you might sit back and say, Well, I only have one talent but understand that one talent is a lot of talent because this is a very wealthy master in the story who represents Jesus who has incredible resources this is not a poor Jesus I know we act like God is poor we act like God can't provide for us or support us and we have to always live humble and less than but I'm telling you right now you might be a one-talent Christian but even a one-talent Christian has enough power to do great and mighty exploits that's why the Bible says if you have faith the size of a mustard seed you can say to this mountain be thrown into the sea and the mountain will be thrown in the sea god has given you a specific weight for a specific reason When he puts a weight on you, it's for that reason. Some of you are looking for your giftings, and I tell people, what do you feel burdened about? Do you feel burdened for the lost? Do you feel a burden for families? Do you feel a burden about abortion? Do you feel a burden for sex trafficking? Are you burdened about the lukewarm church? Are you burdened about the prayerlessness and the lack of fire in the church? There is a weight that God has put on you. Stop trying to pray off the weight that he's put on you and ask God to begin to give you a strategy for the burden and for the weight he's put on you and you might say it's just too much to carry and it's too heavy and I want to tell you tonight that you have what it takes to walk out the supernatural gift that God has given you I came to tell somebody you have the power to change what God has burdened you to change I have friends that feel so burdened about high schools and they live eat breathe and sleep preaching to high schoolers and I have zero burden to preach in high schools my burden is for the lukewarm Watered down church, and that is what gets me out of bed. That is what I'm burdened for. That is the weight or the talent that God has given me. Now understand talents talents represent gifts. Yes. Talents represent weight. What we just talked about, yes, but talents are and represent everything that God has given you. Talents are everything God has entrusted with you, everything that God has put around you. So it's not just so think about this my talents are not just my ability to sing, my ability to preach, my ability to do ministry, my ability to administrate, but it's also my wife. She's a talent. God's entrusted me with my wife. It's also my kids. It's also my job. It's also my degree. It's also my car that God has blessed me with. It's also the house that God has blessed me with. Understand that if God has blessed me with it or God has given me, it is a talent and God wants to see how I'm going to manage what He's given me. Some of you have been asking, and you want a husband or a wife, but you can't even manage your own finances, let alone manage a wife and kids. You can't manage what you have, yet you're asking God to give you more. The way that God will give you more is when God sees that you're able to manage what you have. Now, this is all going to be on judgment day. Understand this, this is all going to be talked out on judgment day. These are gonna be similar questions, these are gonna be the type of questions that you have to deal with with on Judgment Day, according to this passage of scripture. How did you manage your family? How did you treat your boss? How did you treat your kids? How hard did you work at the job that I blessed you with? These are the things, not just the supernatural things, but God says your talents are everything that I've blessed you because the Bible says nothing good comes, but from the father above. So if there's something good in your life, it's because God has blessed you with it. The very breath in your lungs are a gift from God. And you're going to take account for every breath of how you spent your your life now understand not everybody now you need to stay with me and listen very closely. This is very important. Not everybody has the same amount of talents or the same amount of abilities. Some, the Bible says, have five talents, some have two talents, and some have one talent. So not everybody is as gifted as other people, okay? Not everybody gets a participation ribbon or a trophy in the kingdom of God. Not everybody is created equal when it comes to talents. Some people were literally given, you need to pay attention here, were given more talents to other people and the problem we have is we focus so much on what on what's in other people's bag and what other people have and we focus on how gifted other people are that we forget that even our one talent is enough to do what God has called us to do you need to start Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost you need to start looking at people that have five talents if you know that you've only been given one talent and you need to start thanking God saying God thank you that I don't have five talents like he has five talents because the more weight or the more talents God gives you, the more responsibility you're going to have, the more you have to be responsible for. So maybe I'm a one talent Christian, but you know what? If I'm a one talent believer, I'm going to do the most that I can with the one talent God has given me. And I'm not less than because I have less followers than Isaiah Saldivar. I'm not less than because I don't preach as good as Isaiah Saldivar. Come on, pastors, hear me tonight. I'm not less than because I don't write as good as so-and-so. I don't sing as good as so-and-so. I don't dance as good as so-and-so because God has given you a talent and you an assignment. And the Lord is saying tonight that your judgment on judgment day is not going to be based on somebody else's assignment, but it's going to be based on your assignment. And the judgment's not going to be based on what you did, but what you didn't do with what God has given you so you are responsible for your talents i'm not responsible for my pastor's talents i'm not responsible for my neighbor's talents or even my wife's talents i'm responsible for my talents and what i've been given now here's a scary reality every tuesday night on the podcast every friday night on the podcast and every live stream is another coin in your talent bag the more knowledge the more understanding you will be responsible for everything that you've heard. And some of you have bags and bags and bags full of talents, but you're not doing anything with what God is giving you. And the master, and I need you to hear me, I'm not gonna take a whole lot longer tonight, but the master is getting ready to come back, and we are approaching the judgment seat of Christ. Whether we die and appear before the judgment seat of Christ, or whether the master comes back, come on, share the stream, to judge us, the Bible says he comes back, and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. These are the only words that you want to hear on judgment day. You don't want to hear depart from me. You want to hear well done, good and faithful servants. You are faithful over little. This is judgment day. He comes back and says, you are faithful over little. So now I can make you ruler over much, which shows me now understand something. The guy that had five talents and the guy that had two talents, remember, they got the same reward. They didn't get, the guy that had five talents didn't get a greater reward. They got the same reward because what it's showing us is it doesn't matter how much you have on judgment day. It matters. Did you do what God called you to do with what you had? You understand will get the exact same reward as somebody that has a large ministry like me. As long as you are faithful with the little bit that God has given you, you might not be, have the anointing God has given given me. You might not be on a stage or travel the way God has called me to do. You might not have the ability or the time for the devotion that I have, but you can't excuse yourself and say, well, Isaiah's a preacher and I'm not, so I don't have to do anything for God. No, 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 no. It's not about how much you have. It's about what you do with what you have. Jesus is not looking for you to be successful on a platform. He's looking for you to be faithful in your everyday life. So how does that translate and how does that matter on Judgment Day? That means if you work at Costco, affect Costco and change Costco. If you work at Walmart, affect the people at Walmart that you're working with. If you work at uh, the grocery, Restore, cast out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead, preach the gospel with the friends and the people that God has put around you. You might not be a Billy Graham or a Reinhard Bonnke, but God has called you to be just as faithful as they are in the things of God. Now, the Bible says the reward for being faithful is joy. This is not joy that the world gives, this is supernatural joy. This is a joy that the world cannot offer. This is a joy that your boss or your kids or your wife can't offer. This is a joy that nothing Nothing on this planet can offer. This is a supernatural joy that comes from heaven. And it doesn't matter what happens around me. I can go through all out hell. But when I walk in the joy of the Lord, I'm unstoppable. It doesn't matter what type of storm I'm going through, because I know that Jesus is on my boat. And tonight, I believe that you're going to begin to walk in the joy of the Lord. And it's going to break the power of depression. Friend, if you think joy is laughing a little bit at an altar. You have sold yourself short. Joy is a supernatural power that God releases on us, that gives us the power to strive in adversity, that gives us the power to soar above the storms. You got to realize that depression is not your portion. You have to realize that depression is not your assignment. You have to realize that depression is not your calling, but your calling is to walk in supernatural joy. Your walk is, your, your calling is to walk in the supernatural power of God. And right now I'm going to pause this and I'm going to break depression in Jesus' name. I break depression off of every leader. I break depression off of every pastor. I break depression off of every stay-at-home mother. I break depression off of every man that's been laid off that doesn't know if he's going to have a job to return to. And I speak the joy of Almighty God. I speak the Kara the joy of the Lord that transcends your natural That transcends emotion. There is supernatural joy that breaks the demonic spirit of depression. And I speak joy over you right now. This is the reward. The reward for walking in the will of God is joy. If you're walking in the will of God, you should not be dealing with depression. If you're walking in the will of God, you shouldn't be walking around having anxiety attacks all the time. God has a portion of joy for you, and all you have to do is walk in the spirit. Okay, let me go quicker. I'm taking way too long. The last servant comes back and says, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, gathering where you didn't plant, reaping where you didn't sow, and so I took the one talent that you gave me. So remember, there's a five talent and a two talent. They both get the reward doubled. They get joy, and they're saved, okay? They did everything God called them to do, and then there's a one talent believer, and let me skip for the sake of time. He hides or buries the talents that God has given him. He says, I knew that you were a harsh man. I knew that you were a hard master, and so I buried... Buried the talent that you gave me, and here you go. And there's nothing in return, there's no interest on the investment. And the guy had a wrong perception of God. And the master says, If you knew me to be a hard man, why would you not just put it in a bank or invest it so at least I have something when I come back? Understand there are a lot of us tonight that are bearing the talents and the gifts God has given us. And on judgment day, the Lord is going to ask us, What did you do? What the talents that I've given you, what did you do with the resources? I know, especially in these live streams, as God's been growing the numbers every week, as people are viewing, as people are giving, as people are sowing, I'm responsible for the viewers. I'm responsible for the finances. I'm responsible for what God has put in my life and given me. And I'm going to stand on judgment day, responsible for what I did with the gift that God has given me. You are going to stand on judgment day and God is going to say, did you bury? There are some of you that buried the gifting. You've buried the anointing. You've buried the calling that God has given you. and the, the, The last servant, the result of him bearing the talents is the Bible says he gets thrown into hell. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Jesus. What about the sinner's prayer? What about salvation? What about this guy was in the master's house? What about that this guy was a believer? It all goes back to this, the scripture that says, those who obey the will of my father will inherit the kingdom of God. The only way that we will inherit the kingdom of God and we will enter into the kingdom of God is if we obey the will of God and we will obey what God has said to do. I'm telling you this, this last servant is a representation of the American church that has buried its talents, that has buried its resources, that has buried what God has given them. And now is the time to stop bearing what God has given you, but it's time for you to begin to speak out. It's time to begin to pray for the sick. It's time to begin to raise the dead. It's time to begin to drive out devils. I don't want to be a part of a lazy church that just meets once a week but never impacts culture, that never heals the sick, never raises the dead, never delivers anybody. It is our job as the body of Christ to reach and to preach and to gospelize this generation. Now, is the time for us to see revival like we've never seen it before i don't want to be on judgment day and the lord say depart from me i never knew you i don't want to get on judgment day and say i did miracles i cast out devils I healed the sick and I raised the dead and the Lord said, but I don't know you. It's time for you to stop living your life through somebody else's calling, living your life through somebody else's anointing, living your life through somebody else's testimony and say, it's time for me to wake up to the gifting. It's time for me to wake up to the calling. I'm here to tell you the master is getting ready to come back soon and he's going to collect interest on his investment. He is looking for us to do something with what he's given. Given us. Uh, I believe tonight some of you have buried your talents. Uh, I believe tonight some of you have lost the fire. You've lost the passion. Or you say, Isaiah, I just don't know what God has called me to do. And tonight the Lord is saying, I'm getting ready to reveal callings. Uh, I'm getting ready to reveal destinies. I'm getting ready to reveal assignments. Uh, I'm getting ready to reveal a mandate on you right now. Lord, we are asking. Come on, wherever you're at, you just need to begin to ask. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiasaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.